Good morning, everybody. Everybody is having a great solemnity of Christ the King. Today in our, our gospel, we hear the reading from Matthew chapter 25 of the Last Judgment, the separation of the nations between the sheep and the goats. This is what we call in theology the eschaton. What does that mean? It's a Greek word that means the last judgment. It means the end of time. That's what I want to talk a little bit about today is that term eschaton, particularly when it regards to our own world and our involvement in the social and political sphere because it reminded me as I was preparing for the homily today of a phrase that a lot of people don't know, but if you kind of read political theory, you may have heard about it. And it comes from the 50s from a political philosopher named Eric Vogelin, later picked up and popularized by Bill Buckley, who many of you may be familiar with. And the phrase is, don't immunitize the eschaton. Don't immunitize the eschaton. That's a big fancy word. What is it, a phrase, what does it mean? Don't immunitize. To immunitize means to make present, to bring forth here in the present moment. And the eschaton is the, the end times or the utopia of the heavenly kingdom. And so what Vogelin is saying, or what this phrase is saying, is that we have to be very careful of the risk that using politics or using our own machinations that we are somehow going to bring utopia on the earth. It's a very secular worldview and one that is being criticized in this phrase. And it is not a good idea to try to bring about this perfect utopia on earth because guess what? It never works. It never works. You cannot immunitize the eschaton. Marxism tried it in the beginning of the century and it took a long time for people to realize it doesn't work. Some today have forgotten that, but it doesn't work. You can't immunitize the eschaton. But this is what happens from a clear, clearly secular worldview. If there is no God, then you're not waiting for God to do things. You're going to have to take the, the, the means into your own hands. But it always ends up miserably. And this is, in fact, sort of the reason we have the solemnity of Christ the King. It was started in 1925 because the Pope saw the rise of secular ideologies, the Bolshevik Revolution, and wanted to respond to that and to say, yes, we need a legitimate political authority, but Christ is still the King. You cannot set up a culture, a society, a government that doesn't recognize that all authority comes from God. You can't immunitize the eschaton. And so what happens, though, is in that secular worldview, where there's no God, you can look at some different political philosophers and realize the argument that if there's no God and there's no religion, you create a vacuum. And something's going to have to replace that vacuum, to fill the vacuum. And normally, politics does. Politics does at least in the 20th and 21st century. If there's no God, if there's no religion, believe me, eventually politics is going to become religion. Why? Because we have to create meaning. If there's no religion, there's no God, we can't discern meaning in creation, we can't discern truth, so instead we have to use 
the tools that we have to impose meaning, to bring meaning and definition about. And the way that we tend to do this today is politics. But what's happened, though, in the United States, and I think in probably other places, this is something Fulton Sheen talked about, is that while this may be true for those who don't believe, who have a secular worldview, politics becomes their religion, what we've seen happen is individuals who do believe, who ostensibly believe that Christ is the king, we end up making politics our religion. We end up saying, all right, there are all these political problems of things we don't like and we don't agree with, and so we're going to repair them by more politics. We're going to elect this candidate. We're going to pass this law. We're going to get this judge. All of these things are fine and valid, but you don't fix bad politics with more politics. It doesn't work that way, particularly if you are subsumed into that mindset, because eventually you're going to be disappointed. You're going to lose your peace, and if we don't have peace, we're not going to be able to bring it to others. So what do we do? If we realize, hey, we should not be immunitizing the eschaton, we can't bring about heaven on earth, but we can't do the opposite. We can't sit back and say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Christ is king. I'm just going to go pray all day long. We have a responsibility to be involved. We have a responsibility to be just and charitable in our society and culture. So how do we achieve that balance? Now, prudence would, of course, be the thing that dictates the balance. But what I want to do is spend a few moments looking at today's gospel, at least to get a few hints that might give us some direction where we might want to go or how we might choose to address these issues. And the first is this. What does Jesus judge the nations upon? He judges them upon how they respond to the poor, those without clothes, those in prison, the marginalized, the destitute. They're judged on their actions towards the poor. And what this implies, though, if this is the end of time, then guess what? The poor we're always going to have with us. You're not going to be able to create a utopia. You're not going to immunitize the eschaton. Because if Jesus is judging people on that at the end of time, then guess what? Poverty and homelessness and people committing crimes and loneliness and nakedness, they're not going away. They're going to remain. We cannot make a utopia. That's what the gospel implies. Instead, we have to trust somehow that even though these things exist, that Christ is still, is still the king, that he tolerates it for a certain reason. But look at, though, what he goes into the next point is that what is the criteria he judges us upon? The nations. What is he, how does he make that decision? He makes the decision on how they dealt with poverty, how they showed charity or justice towards the marginalized. But notice that while he implies that we have a duty to do this, the nations do, he doesn't speak to anyone individually. He doesn't say, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, but he speaks as a group. So I think can imply that a society has a responsibility as a collection of individuals, as people who are believers, to care for the poor. That's why Catholic social teaching is important. While we'll be judged individually, 
we're going to be judged as a culture, as a society, as a church, as the body of Christ. We have that responsibility. We can't shove it off to somebody else. We, through our own institutions, our own ways of moving forward, have the responsibility to be able to provide for others. The third and probably the most important point is this, is what Jesus says to both of the groups. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. That Christ is saying that in the poor, in those who are in need, whatever they are, we're supposed to see him. We're supposed to see beyond the surface to be able to look and know and see we're actually serving the Lord. We have to have a supernatural worldview. And so this is directly contrary to the secular worldview that says, well, what we see empirically is the empirical thing. There's nothing beyond biology. We're called and challenged to have a sacramental worldview, to see Christ beyond the appearances of things. And that's where the key is. How do we do that? We, as Catholics, have the key. We completely have the solution to be able to see beyond the surface, to be able to receive Christ there. If we're going to change our mindset, besides, I would suggest, reading some Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict on politics, and a few other individuals, we need Eucharistic adoration and Eucharistic devotion. Because every time we come to Mass, every time we sit in front of Jesus at the monstrance, we are saying, that's not bread and wine. That's actually Jesus. It takes a supernatural worldview, a way to perceive beyond appearances to what is truly present there, substantially Jesus Christ. And if we build up that habit of recognizing Christ in the Eucharist, of real, genuine prayer, then what happens isn't so much that our mindset changes, but that Christ changes our mindset. He's the one who acts upon us, if we allow him to act upon us, so that we begin seeing things differently. That we realize that we can't immunitize the eschaton, but yet we still have a responsibility and a duty to care for Christ and those we see around us. It's prayer. It's not just action, because our action needs to flow from our contemplation. And so today, as we celebrate the solemnity of Christ the King, by celebrating Mass, we ask for those eyes of faith to see beyond appearances, to be able to see Jesus there so that we can leave and to be able to create a more just and charitable society by keeping that sacramental, that spiritual worldview, worldview perceiving Christ in others. Amen. So, uh, very briefly, um, i got to sort of make an announcement. As a lot of you know, uh, December 1st is going to be I Give Catholic. We've participated in this the past several years, and it's a nationwide thing on Giving Tuesday where Catholic organizations try to raise money. And so we're pretty excited. This year we have $50,000 already been given and already been pledged to use as a matching gift leading up to December 1st. And so what we want to do is be able to get over $100,000 to go to the ministry here of supporting what we do, particularly our ministry to the students in this challenging time. And people have been very, very generous. But in order to be able to encourage maybe more generosity and also a little fun, someone made a challenge. It was not me. I made my challenge last year. I'll probably make another one a little bit later on. 
leading up to, to this December 1st, someone said, if we can raise this weekend $10,000 given towards I Give Catholic, they're going to give an extra $1,000, which means that $11,000 will become $22,000 totally that goes to the ministry. Particularly, the challenge was for a vocation challenge. It's someone who is passionate about vocations. And I sort of dug up a little bit of the numbers, and it actually sort of amazes me. In the past 10 years, we've been very, very blessed with a lot of young men and women who have pursued vocations to the priesthood of religious life. In total, 82. That means about eight people a year went to the seminary of religious life. 56 men and 26 women. Now, of those 82 people, many have discerned out. We're really super proud that they went. But there have been a number of them who've become ordained priests. Remember four years ago, we had uh, four guys, three years ago, four guys ordained priests. And we've had two women take final vows and a number of other take first vows. But right now, we still have 31 of those 80 people in some form of formation. Most of those being guys, but the girls are catching up. They're 18 men and 13 women. And so what happens is, while we don't necessarily have a retreat that makes people discern priesthood or religious life, we have a lot of stuff, spiritual direction, silent retreat, different activities that open people's minds and hearts to discerning the religious life. So supporting the campus ministry for the Raging Cajun Catholics ends up helping people discern not only religious life, but also married life. Next year, right now, I have about 12 weddings set up for people who've come through wisdom. I have a busy year, because this was a little quiet. One of them is right there. And then I did a wedding last night. Some people who had been involved here, too. So what I want to do is make the challenge that if we can, in your pews, you see little envelopes, if you want to write a check and put it in there, or go online at ragingcajuncatholics.org slash igivecatholic. By midnight tonight, we can have $10,000 given. Um, it will be matched and doubled, and uh, we'll also get that extra donation. So thanks for your support of I Give Catholic, for the ministry here, and for vocations.